Welcome to the Wait I Know You podcast, season one, episode 10. My name is Nick Rounds, and I will be your host. My next guest is fully living the geek dad life. He has multiple shows on YouTube, including Toy Geeks, a live toy talk show, and Screen Geeks, a live movie and TV roundup. When he's not busy reviewing the latest toy drops, he's spending time playing with his kids and praying to God that his wife, Colleen, doesn't find out about his next huge toy purchase. Jay Gladfelter. <laughs> Wait, I know you. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I think any toy collector with the significant other know like has that same fear, right? And and um I feel like we all we all identify with that on some form or level. <laughs> Except for I, those that get to live on their own and have no responsibility to anyone. Is that is ah mm, you live in the dream. You live in the dream, Nick. I I just have cats. They just look at me where if there's new things that show up in, in the condo. That's all. <laughs> Jay, my podcast is called Wait, I Know You. It's about people who have done amazing things and they might necessarily know the person. You, sir, uh, I'm a huge fan, obviously, because we are both toy geeks, obviously. Uh, your place is a little bit nicer and lit, more way more lit up than mine is, <laughs> but we are toy geeks nonetheless. Give it time, Nick. Give it time. This is this is like you go to the early days of the channel, which is not that long ago. A lot less lighting, and I've slowly added more lights over time. So give, your, give yourself some time. You'll be here soon enough. <laughs> It'll all become a problem soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jay, uh, so I want to talk about all the cool things you've done. Um, but I want to start with like a really, a really fun uh softball okay. icebreaker, which is I want to talk about Christmas because this is our Christmas episode. Ah, yes. I'm so I'm so honored. Like you have no idea how excited I am. Um, so I want to dig into some really meaningful Christmas mornings for you because yeah. I think that's always a special thing for toy geeks specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me about some of your more memorable Christmas mornings as a kid and all the cool yeah. stuff you got. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, you could say like a lot of this is a byproduct of a lot of those, you know, Christmas mornings or birthdays and um you know i uh grew up you know not working class at best you know kind of family not a lot uh but like i will give my parents this credit that you know christmases and and birthdays that's like when it like they went all out so um and probably it was a it was a really bad financial decision like being an adult now and looking back at my parents i was like we we had nothing why did you spend so much money on toys for us for christmas but i appreciate that they did because it, yeah, it was just it made it you know even extra special, and I think for a lot of us like you know Christmas or birthdays or maybe whatever you celebrate, maybe there was that one time of the year where you had that was your chance to get the big thing, you know. And so you know the firehouse playset, uh, the the power I had a Power Wheels Bigfoot, I got that one year. I think it was Christmas '88. Um, the uh, tech uh, Drum was birthday. Uh, sewer playset was Christmas. Um, I mean, just really any any of the big presents or even most of the action figures, too. Like that was that was my chance. So either that or birthday. Um, and so, yeah, I, I there's so many. But I think really probably the earliest memories I have are, you know, uh, 86, 87. And so I prime for me is like 87 to probably 94 about 94 was like prime Christmases. So like any of those, uh, you know, I could probably just go back, remember writing the list and remember all of the things uh, that I got. And um, 
but I think it was just the big tent poles that last with me the most. And um, so the play sets, the, again, the power wheels car. And I think it was 1993. I got uh, a, a Huffy bike, but it had a radio in it. It was a radio bike. And do you, do you remember those? I, I, mean, I feel like maybe I'm the one that had this thing, but I don't well, know. It's, it's, it sounds awesome. And I hate you that you had it. <laughs> well, it's so simple now, but I just thought I was the coolest kid. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I, I, the geek culture is cool now so like this is cool but in 1993 i was just everyone called me a dork because i was just a little nerd kid and but to me it was the one time i felt cool because i had this huff it was like bright neon green and yellow and pink and it had a it had a little radio there and i could play the radio and it was ah i thought it was the coolest thing thing and again looking back at those pictures now i clearly wasn't but for a brief moment i felt like a cool kid <laughs> Hey guys, what's going on? Do you like my mm -hmm. new bike? It's pretty awesome. Pretty much. And I, I had this is this is like ten years of braces and retainers. So this uh, back then it was just it was rough, rough. <laughs> uh, and and, and from the ugly duckling grows the toy <laughs> nerd. Uh, it, again, it's nothing has changed. It's just the cultural zeitgeist has changed to where this is yes. cool now. That's all that's happened. I did nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually talking to some other people previously, like um, I was talking to one of my uh, game design mentors about like how actually, no, sorry, I was talking to my friend Stefan about how uh, kids these days don't appreciate the fact that um, it wasn't really cool to play video games or like be into toys at a certain point, like no. you really did get beat, beat up, pushed into a locker or something. If yeah. you talk about any of that stuff and yeah. like kids just don't know how, how good they have it now. And and even like yeah, the reason I transitioned into a toy collector was so that I could at least try to justify still wanting to buy toys. Like, <laughs> like as all my friends, all of my friends were like, Oh, I'm not going to buy action figures anymore. And, and so, uh, but I was like, oh, this, this is, we're finally getting star Wars toys again. I want these. So I'm a collector. <laughs> and, um, is that and, what pulled you back in specifically? Well, it's, but that's the thing is like, I didn't, I just always love toys and especially just, I, I like being a creative person. And again, since I was just a little kid and, and toys where there's these great avatars to kind of create your own stories with, you know? And, and so, and it was just, it was so much fun back then because there was just so many properties that were popular. And so, you know, I'd have the ghostbusters helping out Batman to help the Ninja turtles and, and, and they would all, you know, just be like one, shared multiverse of like all of these things that i love and that would be you know so much of my time just playing in my room creating these adventures and um and so that never left and then but the thing is, is like all my all my friends like they stopped that and so but i didn't want to let it go and it just kind of timed with power of the force too um because again all of my star wars toys were like hand me down you know kenner old kenner ones and um, so I was like, oh, I can, I can, I finally get to have like new, like it's not a beat up old Millennium Falcon. I can have a new one and like a new Luke Skywalker with an actual lightsaber because the other one I had lost his lightsaber, so I have a toothpick in his hand. Like I can finally have this, and nobody wants to play with me. So it was, it was kind of it, 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 the the start of me being a toy collector is kind of tragic in that like I still wanted to play Star Wars with people, but nobody, nobody wanted to anymore. <laughs> But now, but now you have kids, which is nice yes. to play with your kids. Absolutely, and 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 
you know, I, I'm a firm believer that being a parent, you should really want to do it because it, it's not, it's a lot of work and it sucks most of the time, but, but the, uh, but if you really do want to be a parent, it's a, it's a really, that's one of the, you know, most rewarding parts is getting to kind of relive your childhood through your kid's eyes but hopefully you do in a sense where you're not like subjecting them to your childhood. It's like they're going to have their own interests if they if they want to play with them, it's cool. But they also have their own. And it's fun. Just like, uh, you know, Zach's really into Minecraft. I I don't really know Minecraft, but like getting to, you know, see what he's building and, and to you know build the Lego sets with them and stuff like it's still fun because it's that same type of. Like I'm seeing it and experiencing it through his eyes the same way I would as a kid. And it's that's that's a lot of fun. Are there any other uh, cartoons, films, or TV shows um, that really resonate with your kids that is kind of their own thing? I know every uh, every generation of kids is different, but for yours, like, what are the ones things that really resonate with them? Yeah, uh, they've had a, I mean, they had a few. It's similar, I guess, to how it was when we were kids, right? There's just, I look back on, like, my things I was passionate about, and it's just kind of like, okay, there was, the first true love was Ghostbusters, really. Um and then it was Ninja Turtles, and then it was Batman, and then it was uh, uh, a whole bunch of things. Like, I feel like that's when Kenner got kind of weird. So it was like Aliens, Terminator, uh, Crash Test Dummies. Um, it, was, it was a multitude of things. Uh, Hook. Go ahead. Can I? Okay. So uh, you're one of the few people that actually knows and appreciates Crash Test Dummies. Oh. Like, the car was like some of the most fun I've ever had like crashing stuff like the way to explode like I lost so many pieces like the first time I ever played with that toy but like that was a toy property that like I absolutely love that hardly anybody ever actually had it's it's a I think it was birthday 91 is when I got a lot of those and and similar uh, like uh, god I don't uh, maybe they all like the complete car lasted a day like it immediately <laughs> lost pieces yep but um, it held on enough for at least maybe a year to like still be usable, but um, I adored those toys. So, you know, once I started like uh, when I like started working on this collection proper, which was maybe 15 or so years ago, like I made I made a list like every single thing that I wanted back and, and Crash Test Dummies was on that list. And um, I was fortunate enough. It was I mean, actually, they're still not that expensive, but it was pretty cheap back then to to find them even even carded and box figures were pretty cheap um which again i still think it's a pretty reasonable line to collect um last i checked maybe it's bad now i don't know everything's really expensive now <laughs> i know that uh you and i are both actively well you i and everybody else that watches your show uh or having our money taken by new properties but are there any old white whales that you're still chasing after or things that you are passively trying to look for you know i've been trying to think of like what's left what's left on like my list and there are still some like there's still some some centurions that i want i still need yak face to complete my vintage star wars collection um and so yeah i i feel like i still stumble onto stuff that i'm like oh i needed that or i don't have that yet and but it, it is kind of weird. I, I feel like my as I look at it now, the collection's pretty much complete. And so there's not that many other mountains to climb. But there's also this sense of like the fate the space is filled to the brim. 
So if I somehow magically gained more space, I would find something to put there, you know, (laughs) like, like right now, like I've been rearranging the, the kind of closet display to accommodate the thunder tank and, and the, uh, the party wagon. So I finally was able, like I hadn't been able, I have a pretty good, and again, my room's a mess, so please don't judge, but it's blocking it. That box is blocking it. But I, I finally was able to display my crash test dummies over there. Nice. The whole place had all the cars and everything. You got your um, match matchbox peewee's playhouse oh yeah yeah i i uh, i freaking again like peewee's that peewee was big and uh was i think it was 88 as well i think i got that uh peewee and the cherry the big one in uh 88 nice uh, i actually re uh i had like the my my size cherry when i was a kid the one that you could actually sit in as a kid i never saw that i i've seen it in you know but i as a kid if that if i would have that's insane that you had that i would have like that I gotta. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a question while I go try to pull up the photo. <laughs> so, Pee Wee Pee Wee's one of actually okay. So this is actually why I started the podcast. Uh, have you yeah. seen the documentary uh, "Beauty Is Embarrassing" with about Wayne White? No, no. Okay. Do yourself a favor. All right. Uh, go rent "Beauty Is Embarrassing." Uh, do you know who Wayne White is? Mm, uh, is that the the artist that did the he is an artist, right? Yeah, he's so he's one third of the brain trust that created Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's uh, okay. him, Rick, Holt, Rick Holtzman, and uh, one other dude. I always forget his name, but um, uh, so Wayne is the voice of Randy. Um, oh, cool. He made Randy. He made a bunch of the like he made Chicky Baby and a bunch of the other puppets. Um, and uh, and then after that, he went on to like do Beekman's World. And oh, man, Beekman's World. I love that show. It, it was as I bought those books because it was <clears> a book first, right? Beekman's World. And mm-hmm. then uh they were com- they were kind of completely they're kind of dry compared to that show, but that was a fun show. It was like I don't know, it was like the more fun version of Bill Nye. Yeah, exactly. And like the weird fisheye lens and everything. Yeah, it was that was a trip. I remember watching that. I was just like, this is something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely put a stamp on it for sure. Yeah. Um and th- and then after that, uh he directed a bunch of videos. He directed the Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight video. Um Oh, that's a that's amazing. That's a classic. Yeah. Um so that documentary is absolutely worth your time. Like okay. So the reason yeah, the reason I started this podcast is because watching that documentary about Wayne and finding out that he did all this stuff and mm-hmm. knowing that I loved his entire body of work with that actually yeah. that, not actually knowing about it is why I want to start this podcast of like sharing the different walks of life of people that have experienced or done things that yeah. they might know about already, but they might necessarily know the person. So, sure. yeah. So that's, that's a, yeah. I, um, yeah, again, I just, I, I think just of, you know, of our kind of generate, we were kind of an interesting generation. This, you know, I don't know the kids that kind of grew up eighties, maybe into nineties. Like it was just, it was just such a, like so many great properties just back to back to back to back to back. Like there's just so much stuff. And, and that's, what's been fun about collecting, or at least just my class collection personally is there's just so much variety and so much, so many different colors and shapes and figures. And, um, I love all of it. And, and, you know, I wasn't, and that's where, you know, some collections that focus just on one thing are cool, but to me, I just love the diversity and just the, just the, uh, every single thing that, as a kid, I was like, this is cool. And I just love having it around. Cause again, I like being creative. I like making things and, 
in all sorts of different creative endeavors and and so being around this some people might feel like it's just like uh my 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 parents like it's like they're worried i'm a hoarder i was like this isn't hoarding this is clipping. it's organized and it's dusted it's, damn it exactly there's not like piles of dead rats anywhere or anything come on but to me it's inspiring like, I, I like being around this stuff this is my happy place yeah i'm i'm the same way with you like uh I I've never had a boring desk basically since I've had a desk. Yeah. I've never had a boring desk. <laughs> same, same. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier. I'm still trying to find the stupid photo. I haven't been able to do it up yet. <laughs> so See, don't, don't, this is uh, just a little insider tip. The, the, the main reason with the live shows, I like to have another person. So John's on toy geeks, Ralph's on screen geeks is for moments like this. So they're like, well, John, what do you think of that? Let me go try to find this thing. <laughs> right. Yep. I'm going to go underhand to you for a little bit. <laughs> um, so you kind of touched on this earlier, actually. Uh, but I think we all had our childhood rituals of how we play with our toys or set mm -hmm. them up. Um, how do your kids play differently than you did? But you know what's kind of crazy is they, they play similarly. And that's what's kind of neat. Uh, but it, they're... One, like, have if you go to two kids or more, you realize that they're each their own individual. Like, they're, I don't know, my two sons are completely opposite of each other and they have opposite interests a lot of the time. And, but they still kind of play similar. Like, where I used to love to build things and love Legos and stuff. That's Zach. He just loves to build and kind of do that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, tear things apart and put them together. And, you know, I call, we call him our little engineer. And then Alex is much more of the imaginative play, like, just, creating a story and um you know we have a you know, thomas the train table out there and he'll just create a whole entire episode of thomas the tank engine with friends and stuff or you know even we were flying the other day and he just found like three rocks and then he made a story with these three little rocks and was just kind of you know entertaining himself and that would be me like it, you know but before ipads and stuff like it'd be like okay bring bring two toys and then just i would sit there on a chair and just play with the toys while my parents did some boring thing for an hour and a half and um, and so, uh, it's kind of, there's something that I don't know, like it's almost time traveling when you get to kind of watch your own kids pass time the same way. And so I really do, we do screen sometimes, especially traveling. Like it's, it's like a lifesaver, but there's still those moments just like, no, you just need a B board so you can go play. <laughs> and I think it's something that's lost a lot with kids today. Not, not to, again, use the screen or tablet before too sometimes you need it in a pinch but there's also i think there's something lost when and i tell this to my son zach all the time he wants to watch you know youtube or something and um and i'm like it's it's fun to watch something and that's absolutely like did that as i tapes and watched that kind of stuff but you need that time to create something and you can't just be a consumer and you have to actually put something out there and and so it's but it's it's ever it's that much harder in today's world where every single show in the history of ever you can just play at any moment's notice so it's it's as a parent it's i appreciate be having this passion because i it's very much in my mind and i remember it so that i can be like no just no screens you're just gonna play with your toys and um and try to make sure they still have that time to do it that's actually one something i want to touch on about with you uh mention going back in the wayback machine about shows back in the day yeah <clears throat> um so I touched on the fact that you have a fun moving film presence on YouTube via Screen Geeks, but sure. you've been in the podcasting game for a very, very long time. 
ancient uh, by internet standards <laughs> since 2005 yeah. uh you started a podcast super early on called the lost podcast with your dad yep. which really blew my mind to find out about um so talk to me about how that all came together um yeah uh because you 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 sent me the link to that uh IG, ign video yeah, ign video yeah yeah i was so what what happened was is i was so i follow your youtube channel yeah i follow ign i was eating my breakfast watching ign video and then you popped up on my screen i was like did i click on the wrong video i was like the hell <laughs> but yeah it was you talk about loss so that's i was like wait wait what so i was like i yeah, know that so, guy uh, uh yeah so like you know i've done i've i've one like finding the internet in i think it was 97 my family didn't get a computer until 99 i think um but uh my my one a couple of my friends had the internet and i just remember going on to it and immediately felt like i had found like my tribe you know i found my people and and the first community that i really fell in love with was the ghostbuster community and and uh the first i built a ghostbusters toy website in 2003 it was like my first thing you know, i was I, luckily it finally was taken off the web uh the grammar was awful it was just terrible webs like but it had all the pictures of all the toys so it, people used it for years and years and years before you know better people took their hands at it but um so that was like that that was a lot of fun and kind of being a part of community and then uh fell in love with the tv show lost and that was kind of the next big online community that i kind of wanted to jump into and all these kind of paths converged at the same time where i was in a band you know out of high school and i think we broke up when i was 20 and um uh so i i wanted to have a recording studio so that was one uh two i read an article about podcasting uh and i was like that sounds like fun i have recording equipment i could do that and uh and the other part was uh, my dad and i just love talking about loss so then all these things kind of converge like let's try this out and um and what was really neat is the learns that I got from being a part of the Ghostbuster online community in the late 90s, early 2000s, applied it to the Lost podcast community because we were one of the first ones. So I was like, oh, I'm one of the first. We can kind of set what our, our culture can be like. And so immediately we kind of reached out to the other Lost podcast and we all kind of became friends with each other. And, and we built like this really cool community around Lost podcasts and um, and at that same time so they just got podcasts lost was kind of a big show and then the video ipod came out and they uh, uh remember it was like lost one of the first shows that they put that you could watch on a video ipod yeah and so everybody was searching lost on itunes and we were one of the first podcasts about it and we would show up like so if you're searching for an episode of lost we'd be like the second row down um and so we started like with 50 listeners on the first episode and it went, quickly went to tens of thousands and um by the time the last season we were over you know hundreds of thousands of downloads an episode um, i think we're number four out of all of itunes and it was just this crazy ride where i think the sixth episode we had uh jorge garcia call into the show and be like uh who plays hurley on the show uh you know hey uh just so you know uh, us on the catch cast are listening to your show and i was like what um and it's just this mind-blowing like, again just kind of like being creative, put it out there, and and just it everything kind of the stars aligned where it became a, a big show, and eventually became my full time job till 
2010 or so um or through 2011 um and uh and yeah it was it was a blast and again i just i learned so much i was 20 when i started that and so like how to build relationships with studios and doing interviews with you know people that are on the show or people that create for the show and how to create engaging content and um, making sure that you include, you know, we were very big on listener feedback and playing phone calls and reading emails and building a community around and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I learned so much through that experience, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, so when people say like, oh, you've only been doing this a year or something, it's like, yes, the Geek Dad Life, absolutely. is relatively young. But I did come into it knowing a lot of, you know, whether it's talking for extended periods of time or how to build, you know, stuff that maybe seems engaging or can appeal to people or building a community and stuff like that. Like I've been doing that for a very long time. And I, that's the part I love the most. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that really struck me when I first stumbled upon your channel is that like, I couldn't believe the production that you have. And obviously thanks to you, uh, I'm ripping off your setup. Thanks. Yes. Uh, but no, seriously, thank you for helping me out. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know what though like it, to me that's the the building a better like building a strong community and and helping people and helping people start their own things like when i started podcasting my first week um there was a there was a the, another podcaster about loss and i reached out to him and he taught me so much uh back then and and so like to, and again that relationship is still something that's really strong to this day uh between that family and and myself and um so I, I I wouldn't be where I am today if somebody didn't you know help me. So I, I try to do the same. If anybody asks me, and I'll again I'll do it to, for anybody that's watching this right now. If you, I'm happy to chat and and help because I I wouldn't know the things I know know today if people didn't do the same for me. Do you have any favorite moments from um, those early those early community uh, sync ups of like getting to know people in the lost community that like really stand out? Uh, there's a lot because we um. I, I, about a year we are we did our first kind of meetup at comic-con in 2006 um and that was the first time we kind of like met people in real life you know it kind of it transitioned from you know it, we didn't have things like this like streaming and video and all that kind of stuff but you know listening to people's calls or reading their emails and stuff like that and uh so that was the first time like meeting these people that were just you know usernames uh in in real life um because that was back Maybe it's still the true now, but even more so back then. No, you never didn't know anybody's real name. It was always like handles or some weird handle. Um, and so it was amazing to like actually meet those people in real life. And um, I think there's maybe, I don't know, 20 of us or something like that. And um, so then the next year we actually had an official panel at Comic-Con. And you know, that was like a couple hundred people. And then it just kind of kept growing and we would do a a, a big get together there, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and then a couple of years later, we started a charity podcast um, and it was like a 24 hour telethon kind of podcast. And we have a bunch of guests on and stuff like that. And um, and then people just come to Raleigh uh, with us. And um, and so uh, just seeing the things that people would do to to one help a charity or just to um, meet up. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't just pick one, but there we still meet up. We still the, the last podcast crew. We We try to do a yearly uh now it's just at our house which is probably too much but uh, <laughs> uh but we have a lot of fun um i finally found a stupid photo yes 
Okay. Better live up to it, Nick. It better live up to it. That's all I'm saying. That's insane. So this is this is me with my little bowl cut. So uh, and here's the cherry, and then there's my little pee wee down the corner and my Nintendo. I think this is my sixth birthday. I think <laughs> something like that. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it was a my it was a my size cherry. Um, I recently the one that you have in your closet. Um, yeah. That sounds weird for, weird for me to say. <laughs> uh, the one that's in your closet, <laughs> I actually got um, from uh, Billy Galaxy in Portland recently. I live in Seattle. Oh my god, Billy Galaxy! Now there is there is a character. He is he's got so many amazing stories. Do you know him? Uh, yeah. Well, I know him like through a friend. So one of my good toy dealer friends, um, who's also a friend of John uh, James, he's really good friends with Billy Galaxy. Um, so I I've met him, talked to him. But I'm not like. I'm not, fr- you know, I'm not best friends with him, but I know him, and uh, and I know I know of his tales of uh, toy hunting and acquisitions. Uh, an incredible, incredible dude. Um, nice. He needs his own. Oh, well, he's what was he? On? He was on one of the toys. Yeah, he was. Shows. He was on the uh, a toy store near you yes, by Brian right, yeah. Brian Volkweiss. Yeah. Uh, then in the cell company. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, that shows a lot of fun because you're like earmarking like places to like check out in the future mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, have you have you heard of Bobacon in Everett, Washington before? No, I don't. Maybe I don't know. It's fairly new. Um, yeah, okay. but I, I bring it up because uh, they're my favorite local source for like finding really obscure toys. They randomly had a McDonald Land playset uh, at their store, which I have never seen boxed before, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm like, I want a little tiny felted grimace. That looks amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one that because there's been a few McDonald's playsets, but is that one just specifically McDonald Land? So it's like it was like from the 70s because it was like Mary McCheese. It was like a 70s playset, like super vintage. I love that. It's amazing. Like it's um how I don't know. It wouldn't fly today as you know, I tried to eat healthier and not die young, but like the amount of like all of my bad eating habits are because of how food was marketed to us as a kid. Chasing after those damn Mario three toys, <laughs> the changeables and yes. all those other ones, the I, Garfield I Muppet and, babies. And think about how much fast food I would eat just to get those stupid toys. Uh, anyway. And, the, and then there's the added one of, if you go to the, the dentist or the doctor, and then that's your, that's your reward for after. At least that's right. what my mom did. absolutely absolutely yeah getting the happy and then if you get to like if it was like middle of the school day and you get to go back to school and you have the freaking mcdonald's happy meal that was look at look at other kids yeah (laughs) look at me um like that was i think that's probably like the pinnacle of like you're the king of lunchtime if you came back with the happy meal box of lunch versus like I still remember to this day, like if you came with a a, a turtle a pudding pie, uh, that was like mm. again you, you there was there was nobody that could trade. There was nothing they could trade that would equal that turtle pudding pie. <laughs> I really don't remember those tasting that great, but I that, well I there I, as I remember them now again that was what thirty something years ago. But as I remember, they just they were kind of like vanilla pudding pies are today. I don't think they tasted that different. But since it was green, it was special. (laughs) What's like Ecto Cooler, I think, is essentially just like tangerine juice, but it's green. 
Yeah, it looks cool. Therefore, well, it's just like this stupid Heinz ketchup that was like purple or blue for like right? half a second. Yeah. It's like this is no different, but it's cool because it's a different color. But you know, like I was older then, but my sisters dug the Heinz ketchup that was different colors, and so I remember I was like, "Oh, this is gross." But um, one of my favorite blogs of all time, and that's what's kind of cool about I don't know being an older nerd now is um, you might know Dinosaur Dracula or it used to be X Entertainment Matt uh, uh, that, that runs those. Like he was waxing poetic about all that stupid junk food twenty something years ago, and it's just kind of fun to see his growth and journey of geekery and now like people coming around to things that he was like putting a you know a light on in 2002 that's now retro 20 years later i don't know it's just weird (laughs) but it's amazing i'm happy for him yeah i mean the fact that we're in 2021 and now things that are were around happening in 2000 are retro just feels weird to talk about Mm -hmm. but yeah i guess when you think about it like looking at my old like episode one uh figures that are still in storage and be like yeah these are vintage now (laughs) it feels weird it's it's yeah it kind of it's weird it's a weird thing there's something just about like y2k and just like everything before is the past and everything after is just that's current right that's just still happening (laughs) yeah i mean even even the aughts in like mid 2010 like that whole era especially for toy collecting oh my god like like 2010 was the era of Master Universe Classics, and oh. I only casually got into it. I never actually went full bore into it because mm-hmm. um, I got like I got a He-Man, a Panther, mm-hmm. uh, Battle Cat, and Skeletor as in yeah. one go. But it, like I couldn't, I didn't grok the subscription for some reason, and I think yeah. it was also broke. So I think I bought that. I was like, cool. And then later on, uh, I like started seeing a bunch of the more of those. I was like, oh, crap, I missed out. So <laughs> coming back to Origins and actually like recollecting all the stuff I, as a, I had as a kid was has been a lot of fun. So, yeah, like um, that. There's such a and again, that was over a decade ago, which is weird just because like I got in the classics because Maddie Collector was doing Ghostbusters. And um, and I remember the reason I like went head first in the classics was, you know, at Comic-Con that year, that was the first Ghostbuster figure. It was a, a Egon Spangler slime, Egon Spangler. And so that was introing their Ghostbuster line. And it was really significant for Ghostbuster fans because it was the first time we were getting like a highly articulated Ghostbuster figure based off of the movie. Up to that point, we only had the real Ghostbuster toy line that had right. a Ghostbuster in it. And so super excited about that got that figure but while i was there they had some of the uh first stock of he-man um and i was it hero was the first exclusive that year um so i was just like wait that he-man looks amazing like that looks just like a, a like a totally upgraded version of the original i'm gonna get that too totally unaware that that was like a really expensive figures that sold out um and it was like restock so it was 20 bucks so i bought it um, and it was worth, I don't know, like 80 bucks or something like that at the time. And wow. then uh, in display, they had the first set of whatever the subscription was going to be. And it had one dar as the first uh, exclusive for if you subbed up. And I, again, I, I was totally into the lore of uh, Wonder Bread He-Man at the time. Um, you know, the early days of He-Man.org. And can you, can you give the because not everybody who's going to listen to this is going to be a toy geek. <laughs> sure. OK, fair, fair. But can yeah. you give people the elevator pitch of of what uh, Wondar was and it's, a.k.a. Wonder Bread He-Man? It only recently, I think, got solved. I think Scott Knightlick, all these years later, I, I it 
you never know for sure, but I feel like he has a pretty, pretty compelling case that of what it was. But back in the 2000s, this mystery figure started to show up and people were like, is this real? Is this just a custom made thing? And essentially it's a He-Man figure, but uh, instead of his blonde hair and what brown trunks or whatever, maybe orangey trunks, um, he had brown hair and like brown trunks with a black belt. And the thing is, is nobody, it's kind of those things like that was in the early 2000s. So uh, all of the, yeah, you're pulling up now. Perfect. Um, all of our collective conscious was 20, like maybe we were like little kids. So nobody really knew everyone was like, I think I got him, and, uh, my mom bought him, or maybe it was packaged with wonder bread. Like nobody knew where this thing came from and nobody was for sure if it was real or not. And I didn't believe it was hundred percent real, uh, until even years and years later when, um, my buddy, John, who I do toy geeks with, said he found one in a collection that there's no way that person customized one and put it in there. So it just, it was this kind of, um, it was almost like Chupacabra or, or Bigfoot or something like you just, you weren't, <laughs> we're not like, you think it's real, but you're not a hundred percent sure it's real. And, um, and only until recently have we kind of found out that it was a kind of sub in, you know, backup figure. Uh, if you kind of mailed away, um, some UPCs, I believe, um, but it's just one of those amazing things pre-internet that documentation got lost and there's all this conjecture of this mystery He-Man figure. So when Masters of the Universe Classics had a Wondar figure and gave it a name and it was official, I was just like, oh my God, this is my toy line. This is perfect. And um, and so I subbed up the, for the first year of that sub and, and bought every dang figure for... I don't know, seven years or whatever. And then I eventually gave up because, yeah, it was, you can only do that for so long. <laughs> it, it got yeah. weird. Okay. It got into care. like, okay, I have no connection to this character. I need to stop. <laughs> right. Once you start going back to filmation or princess's power, it's like, do yeah. I really care that much? I don't think I care. I think that it, much. Like main characters, uh, princess of power. Sure. I mean, it was yeah. nice as by that point, uh, my wife and I, I think we're probably married by that point, but, she grew up as a big Princess of Power fan. So there was kind of a joy for her. She still doesn't like collecting toys, nor does she. She always kind of like, Ugh, really? Um, but at least that, like those are like, oh, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least there was that connection. That's a that's the thing I really enjoy about the toy community um, in general is because it, it seems like there's always one person that you meet that knows something that you don't in terms of like a toy line mm-hmm. or whatever else. Obviously, your co-host, John, is an encyclopedia. In fact, you have a portion of your show called Stump John where you yeah. randomly bring up uh, accessories with no context about what they mm-hmm. are. And John typically can rattle off where they actually come yeah. from, which is insane. And again, that's born out of, because uh, John and I befriended each other just setting up at toy shows, you know, in, in Raleigh. And um, uh, so, yeah, just, and but that's what happens in the toy shows, right? Like, so everybody kind of sets up and, and again, I, I'm not a toy dealer by trade, but if you do this, I, I especially collecting vintage, I try to find like a big collection and just buy it all and then keep what I need and just sell what I don't. Um, and that just funds more toy buying. Uh, at least that's what I tell my wife so that she doesn't get pissed that I'm buying stuff. Um, but uh, but that's people like say a big show like in Greensboro, North Carolina, it's like a huge convention hall. People just come in and they haven't seen John in a year or two. Be like, John, w- what's this? I I don't know what this is. And John's like, oh, yeah, it goes to this, this, and this. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, 
so you don't only collect toys you also have, have been collecting arcade one-ups as well um it's funny you say that because i've literally spent like spare moments in today putting together the tron arcade one-up yeah um, and uh it's great but my hands it's like an ikea so and I'm, I'm getting older and i've played guitar for 25 years so my hands are like so sore right now <laughs> from just screwing in the dang thing <laughs> gotta get that power drill just well so i i brought because they say don't do the power drill so i was like all right i'll make sure that the sensitive stuff i'm not but by the end i was like f it this is just the riser but then but then it, the battery died on it like halfway through the riser so i was like dang i'm like eh, eh, <laughs> i like how you told me ahead of time that you're like all right i'm gonna swear and i think your podcast mode kicked in and you're still oh, not you're swearing right. it's, it's okay thing, god damn it son of a bitch there we go that's what that's, that's what the people what came for like, like my kids is like daddy don't say those words like fucking god damn it yeah for context jay doesn't swear on, on his regular show but he can swear on mine so you're welcome it's exclusive you're fucking welcome <laughs> but that's you know again in real life i i do curse like a sailor and um so people that maybe know me through if i'm doing a show or something um uh there's like whoa i was like oh yeah i swear in real life i hope that's okay um but uh but i always try to since the podcasting days and then geek dead life as well not that again because I, I swear i have nothing against it but um i just want to make sure if people are watching with their kids they can be like oh i don't need to mute it you know um right so that that's that's what i try to be anyway Whatever. you mentioned uh you mentioned you're setting up a tron cabinet uh you've so that's the arcade one-up version but you've actually bought i've owned versions. i've owned three trons real ones one didn't work. I like. I was like, I can put this back together. Nope. Don't ever buy a non-working Tron. That is my recommendation to you. Um, it's a really complicated cabinet. Uh, it, I mean, there's like black lights and all this kind of crap that was designed in 1982. Um, so yeah, don't do it. So buy one working. So I've gotten two working ones. Um, and that was the closest I ever got to probably like my wife kicking me out of the house is when I, when I bought the first one uh that was like it was an impulse purchase like it was really cheap on ebay and uh it was just it was not a good couple weeks when i bought that one. <laughs> i i had wanted a tron forever and just the stars aligned but even still i think i've said this on my show once maybe but even still i put it in an offer it was buy it now or best offer and i put in an offer that i didn't even think they would do it but they took it and uh and then I had to tell my wife, I was like, Ooh, I and one know. week on the couch later. It, it, again, like I called it my John Snow. It was like my, my bastard child that was in the house. Like Colleen just, was, she, she knew it was there, but she didn't acknowledge his existence. It was just like, it was just, uh, it was so that was the first one. And then I sold it. Uh, and then uh, I bought, I found another one for a good price. I bought that one. That one I kept in the garage. So I had a couple arc, real arcades in the garage. Um, and then once Arcade One Up did the Star Wars, I was like, oh my God, that's a Disney property. It looks just like the real thing. They're going to do a Tron. Believe me. So then I sold it. Um, and finally, we got the Tron. So I, I've played it already. It's close. It's playable. Um, I'm trying to remember all the patterns down my head. It's been two years probably since I've played it, like trying to get a really high score. Um, 
but yeah, I don't. I just I've, I became obsessed with arcade just because it's it's technology where the transistors and everything are so big that you can fix it. You know, or at least I can. Like I'm not that smart, but like those boards are so big, you, you can swap out chips and or if something's not working, you can kind of triangulate it and and get it working again or or uh, getting a old CRT monitor to work and and change out parts. Like you can do it. Um, and so. Uh, that's that I really enjoy that aspect of like vintage arcades. So I have two vintage real arcades left. I have um, an, a cocktail Miss Pac-Man that I uh, restored and, and got back into working order and uh, a Galaga um, that I traded a guitar for. <laughs> nice. I'd love I the cocktail ones are they're so awesome. Um, are there uh, any other like white whales, either arcade arcade cabinets or pinball machines that you, oh, that you... I, two pinballs i would love to have and i'm pretty sure colleen would leave me if i did buy any pinball machine because they're really expensive yeah it's um, most of them are like especially anyone any the ones that remain in the 90s are like six thousand dollars and up minimum typically if not 10k it's so it's like over 10k now so like i would love adam's family pinball like it's you know it's usually tops of everybody's list um or at least a, a lawler of some sort um slawler is that the guy i made him I, anyway um i love that one but even like kind of beat up condition you're spending 10 grand like talk about i don't know a really expensive toy like uh uh where, where is he at uh cyborg he's kind of you can't really see him that's like a 500 dollars figure that's nothing compared to just buying a pinball machine so um so i would love adam Simon pinball and i would love the ghostbusters pinball i have there's been a, I should have, if I ever was going to buy it, I should have bought it a couple of years ago and you could find them used for like four grand again, like I don't know, I'm four grand laying around, but I'd make it work somehow. And, um, but now I feel like they're probably much more than that, but I would love a Ghostbusters pinball. I would love a Ghostbusters pinball. Nice. Yeah. Uh, in San Francisco. So I'm natively from the Bay area. I live in Seattle mm-hmm. now. Um, but there's a really cool, uh, garage or arcade called uh, free gold watch. Mm-hmm. And the the dude who runs it, uh, his Instagram is is uh, Small Change Arcade, but he's always posting about the stuff that uh, that he's picked up recently and that he's fixing. The cool thing that he does is that he actually um, shrinks cabinets. Uh, I mean, honestly, similar to like One Up, um, like he just got an Asteroids like vintage cabinet and has been fixing it. Awesome. Um, oh, uh, 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 an Atari cocktail Asteroids, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he does see that Tron. Yeah, he does his little Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they're super tiny, but he has them in free gold watch, so you can actually just roll up and and play them. He's got his little tiny NBA jam in Mortal Kombat too. That's cool. Says um I love I love the cabaret cabinets because they are smaller, like pre arcade one up, because the cabaret is usually they made so you have cocktail, which is like what you had at Pizza Hut. And then you had the big ones and then they have cabaret ones that are much more reasonably sized. So before arcade one up proved to me that they could do it, um, that was going to be my shift was to try and get a Tron cabaret, a Miss Pac-Man cabaret. Um, those are my two favorite arcades. Um, and they're small. Like I could probably in the space that just one arcade would be, you could probably put two cabarets um, side by side. That's what like it, they're like a real arcade. They're huge. They're massive. And so, um, so for like home use, like it's insane. 
Um, so I, I, I totally understand my wife hating them. Uh, but that's where <laughs> Arcade 1-Up uh, is great because sometimes you just don't want to deal with the hassle, especially for those tricky ones like Tron. Um, and now I don't have to stress about making sure I have to keep one running. Um, versus Miss Pac-Man, there's a bajillion boards, there's a bajillion parts. So I know that if that thing burns out of something, it'd be pretty easy to fix it. Tron's not so easy. Um, same for Atari Star Wars. That monitor, they don't. there's nothing you can do to fix one if it blows. So there's a continually dwindling amount of monitors that you can run in a, uh, a Star Wars, Atari Star Wars. So just having one that does it and does it pretty darn well for a fraction of the price, absolutely. Same for Tempest. I'm, I'm going to try and get the Tempest one as well. Same type of monitor that Atari Star Wars has. They burn out in within six months. And so there's just there's only so much you can do to keep those operational. So I I, I know that the real arcade community hates arcade one-ups. But for me, I think it's great because it allows one to have these really hard to keep operational games um, in your collection. And and you can put more in there. Like I, I, I have, you know, I'll be able to have multiple arcade games that I would never have a chance in hell of having inside my office or the game room area back over there yeah i mean especially at this point in time um i'm a game designer and uh video game like history is still kind of a new thing because it's still Mm -hmm. so young like we grew up pre-internet and we almost grew up pre pre pre-gaming as well Mm -hmm. um but it's still a pretty young format but we're we're getting at the age where it absolutely does need its own museum and stuff like that so um there's actually this really cool computer science museum surprise in Seattle. Thanks, Bill <laughs> Gates. Um, but uh, <clears throat> that like they have a bunch of old computers set up and you can just roll up and play Oregon Trail, um, which was like a lot of fun to see kids play Oregon Trail because like mm-hmm. those are some of my fondest memories of dying in dysentery and killing too many bears. I, I've um, uh, I I had an Apple II. I've had two. I've had an Apple II C. That was uh. I got a hand-me-down Apple IIc computer. That was my first computer for a long time. But then recently, I've had an Apple II Plus um, that, uh, and I have I have the floppy for um, Oregon Trail. So, like being again being able to play Oregon Trail on the green monitor, like mm. uh, I sold that computer because uh, my aunt actually found me an Apple IIe uh, with a green monitor as well. That is a little bit smaller. Uh, but she lives in California. I just haven't picked it up yet. But at some point in time, that'll be back in the collection so I can uh, play OG Oregon Trail. And then I have a, a 1984 uh, Mac uh, 512K uh, um, that runs Mac OS 1. I think, um, you, I, I think you just out-nerded me because I like blacked out when you said all those extra things. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Apple II, got that. And I was like, the second one, oh, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and so, like, again, like, running, um, and it's so silly, but there is that element of just, I don't know, just keeping some of these things alive. And, and I don't know if I just have that, like, mentality, but, you know, I, I was always big into records, too. Records are just popular now, but I was into records in the 90s when it wasn't. And But that was great because I was able to get all these records for dirt cheap and, um, you know, all the classics uh, that, you know, my my band friends come over and they're like, oh, you got that one? And I was like, yeah, I got it for 50 cents, <laughs> you know, so um, and so but it's cool now that these types of things are more in the zeitgeist. But something like vintage computers is not and and um, the it's hard to keep those things running because they were not made to run forever. And, and 
So you have to know how to, it's, it's probably similar to car culture where you're trying to keep these old cars running. Um, but it's just, it's not maybe as a well fleshed out thing like car communities are. Yeah. Well, I mean, even still, then you get with car communities, you'll still get pockets of like cars that hardly existed. Like my grandfather bought a Chrysler Imperial, which I think there was like less than 50, like functional. Mm-hmm. And that thing was like a full on boat. And like, he used to take me to car shows and like walk me through every stall to go look for parts and we'd never find anything. So it was like mm-hmm. waiting for Godot, but it was the car version of it where Godot yeah. never showed up. And in this case, it's parts for the Chrysler Imperial. <laughs> so, but that's, but that's, you know, and toy collecting is like that too. Like the ghost command place that that was one of my grails. And, um, and I had one, but, uh, it had a lot of broken parts and that place that specifically is so brittle. Um, a slight breeze will break that thing apart. And, um, and so I was like, oh, let me sell this. I, there's, I'm just going to do it. And then just, but so then for the next, it took me another 10 years before I got this one. And from that time, if I saw a part, I would buy it. And so by the time I had that, I had like just a whole bunch of parts that I've been slowly buying over time. And I do that with a lot of toys. If I see parts like in a box or a bin, I will buy every single one of them because who knows when, you know, I might be able to complete a figure or something like that. And, um, and so same is true for, vintage tech as well it's just like picking up the pieces when you can uh i forgot about a grail though there is one grail that's not a toy but it, i i would love like dream delorean i want a delorean one day if we're talking about cars i really would love to have a DeLorean. an actual delorean that you can fit in not just like the spruce goose like on your desk version no no no. i mean like legit like i can get into it and drive it to a nerd show and be the king of the nerds <laughs> Hey everybody, what's going on? I upgraded from my Huffy to a new DeLorean. It's pretty awesome. With that car. Again, just being, I don't know, there may be some like obsessions a part of all this, but like I've been obsessed with that car for forever and um, I, I would love one. I would absolutely love one. And I know they're a, a, like an absolute pain in the ass to keep running, but. I was going to say, have you driven one before? No. That's again, that's just to even drive one would be a treat um mm. but i and so i've seen them and uh again i remember i was in one of the uh, areas we live for a moment in san diego there was i remember i the first time i saw one in real life and just saw it drive down the street and you know i was maybe 12 or something and i just started running down the tr- street after it because i was like ah, i've never seen one in real life before aside from actually in uh at universal studios they had like the actual time machine delorean but just oh, like uh, yeah uh, a normal running on the street DeLorean. It just blew my mind. And um, and from that point on, I was like, God, one day, one day. But now they keep getting more and more expensive, like a, a nice running one. And so I don't know. That's that's honestly the main reason why I do to Geek Dead Life is maybe it'll be successful enough one day to just help me buy a DeLorean. That's it. That's the only reason. Okay. Uh, Got to have that drip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> SOB. God damn it. Did you drive it? No, I, I could oh. have, but I don't fit in it very well. I'm six five, so I don't oh, fit. Yeah, in. that's that's the thing. Like I'm only five nine, but it is not made for tall people. They have to like scoop out the top so your head can fit in it, right? And at six five, yeah, you probably couldn't fit in it. Yeah, I barely well, yeah, I used to I used to drive a uh, 91 Camaro which I only fit in because I push it all the way to the back, but <laughs> yeah, I barely fit in that in that DeLorean. It was not not very comfortable, but Yeah, it, it's it's again it's an awfully it's awful in so many ways, but god damn it, I want one. Uh 
All right, Jay. Well, I had like a bunch of questions for you, but in that, no, 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 it's good. Because uh, I'd much rather just have a natural conversation with you because I, I enjoy your content. Give me, give me some of them real quick. Come on, Lightning. What do we got? Uh, <laughs> God damn it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's put, let's, I, I will, I will just watch your shows. And that's, that's a joy for me. How about that? Okay, perfect. That sounds good. All right, Jay. Well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Same. Um, would you like to would you like to plug anything before we leave perhaps uh sure yeah i mean um youtube.com slash geek dad life check it out uh i uh what's my tagline oh i'm an 80s and 90s kid that grew up to be a geek dad so uh if you if you like uh that kind of stuff um come check us out just being geeky about uh those kinds of things i'm a toy collector um kind of first and foremost but it kind of is surrounded around all these properties that we grew up with and um, and yeah, we do a couple of live streams uh, about TV and film and toys and yeah, check us out. <laughs> if you enjoyed whatever, whatever Nick and I did uh, for the past <laughs> hour, check us out. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Toy Geeks typically every Sunday around oh, yeah, 6, PM, 6 p.m. Eastern and Screen oh, Geeks right, yeah. uh, Tuesdays or when do you do uh, it usually? Or it depends on when Ralph is free. Yeah, it's kind of like that one we were doing Thursdays, but Thursday's a weird day for like movies and stuff. So now it's kind of like, is there a thing that we're gonna talk about and try to have it on that day? YouTube is weird. You gotta you gotta ride the algorithm on YouTube. Um, so that kind of tries to ride the algorithm. And Toy Geeks is that because John only stay will stay up late one night a week, and that's the one that we got. <laughs> Well, it works for me because it's like the way to cap off my week is yeah, kinda, it, it, it does work. It absolutely works in the let's just like hang out and 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 geek out. And uh, so, yeah, I love that one. Cool. I'll make sure all that stuff is in the description of the video. Perfect. All right. All right, Jay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you Everybody for having else. me. Happy, happy Christmas. Happy New Year. All of the above. <laughs> happy holidays. Happy holidays. Everybody else. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.